Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen. Seems like we should start the teaching with, for God is good, you say all the time, and I say for all the time, God is good, instead of customarily closing it. Everybody ready? I mean, wherever you are, if you're at 12 Stone Campus, 12 Stone Home, if you're online, if you're right here, wherever you are, I'm going to deliver the beginning, you follow. You ready? For God is good, and all the time, he surely is. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but the quality of your life is intimately linked to the quality of your relationships. If you you want a better quality of life, I do, then build a better quality of relationships. How do you do that? Well, the Apostle Paul modeled something of that in Philippians chapter 4, things that he learned from Jesus. Let Let me give you the statement Right off the top, what I think he would teach us, be ambitious for others' sake. In chapter 2, when Paul was writing and unpacking the truth, he said, be anxious or or, or be be ambitious. Uh, Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't, Don't let your ambition be all about you. Get beyond selfish ambition. But then in in chapter 3, We discover Paul has huge ambitions. And and Pastor Jason unpacked this godly ambition. And again, maybe by the time you get to chapter 4, it doesn't occur to you. But what Paul begins to do is reveal his ambition for others. He wants good things, God things. He has compassion for others. Look at how that begins. My brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord Jesus. You whom I love, I long for, you're my joy. I'm not wrapped up all in myself. In fact, Paul spends this whole chapter, we'll tap into that briefly. And he helps us understand something of what life looks like. When you are in relationship with God, it transforms your relationship with others. That's just the very fruit of walking with God. But like an apple is the fruit from an apple tree. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians says, is love, joy, peace, patience. And I'm already out. I mean, by the time anybody have the gift of impatience, I have the gift of it. I don't like to wait. Let me say it differently. How many like to wait? No, how many hate to wait? There you go. Now we're together. I, I, I hate to wait. We, are, we have more information at our fingertips at the highest speed of anybody else in human history. And still, if it takes an extra 30 seconds to load the page, I'm ticked. I mean, isn't that weird? Like, you're, you're like, what is wrong with this thing? How come it's not coming up? Anyone? Anyone have a little bit of that? When I was growing up, I had a nickname. They called me, I was called Quick Kevin at home. It it comes from the nickname of mimicking a commercial. And I'm going to regale you with a commercial from 19, 
73 for your enjoyment. Some of you are like, I wasn't even born. That's not the point. The point is, there's this great little commercial about Quick Carl, who did everything fast, except you can't eat a marathon bar fast. Just go with me. Check it out. Marathon candy bar fast, quick, Carl. It lasts a good long time. I'll show you. Chocolate. And caramel. And chewy. I told you. Nobody eats a marathon quick, Carl. A marathon bar lasts a good long time. And when that commercial started playing, how many of you enjoy the old stuff? I know, okay. You know, some of you young was like, man, that looked pretty old. It was, it is. And from that commercial, I started being called Quick Kevin because I did everything fast. Even at this point in time, I don't understand long showers. I just got to stop. I don't get y'all who take your 15-minute showers. My goal from pajamas to the car is 15 minutes. That includes shave, brush my teeth. That includes flossing. That includes, that's everything, everything. I look this good in 15 minutes. I mean, it's got to be fast. So I can do everything fast. And, and, and. When, when, we, when we invented the wheel, that was awesome. When we invented the car, that was more awesome. Now we can get places fast, quick, except for those in the left lane who camp. I don't, how many have problems waiting for people in the left lane? I don't understand you. I love you. There's a right lane for you. So we were traveling to Florida several years ago, and oh my gracious, this guy was in the left lane, and he was even below the speed limit, and God love him because nobody else was on the road. And it took you know, a long time. Eventually, 10 cars passed him on the right. And when I got my opportunity, I prayed for him. No, I didn't. I, I, I went around him on the right at a speed that communicated you're an annoyance on the road. And um, the good news for me is it was an undercover GBI agent. So he called an officer. The two of them pulled me over later so we could have a little friendly chat, build a relationship, become friends, and so that I can contribute more to the state of Georgia. I love Georgia. And so I was able to contribute more to the state. I hate waiting. I'm impatient. Listen, but God's not impatient with me. It's not how he treats me. When I'm slow to figure stuff out, he doesn't pass me by. See, there is a fruit of walking with God that's supposed to transform the way we walk with, live with others. This is who we are. We are biblically conservative and socially compassionate with common sense. Wherever you are, read this with me loud and proud. Ready? Here it is. It's right on the screen. Read it with me. We are biblically conservative and socially compassionate with common sense. And we're not that because we're that. We're that because Jesus is, was that. Biblically conservative, meaning we have a high view of Scripture, meaning we don't add or subtract from the Bible. We don't adjust it to our wishes. We acknowledge it as the principles and the truth of life. It gives life. So you don't add or subtract. We're socially compassionate. And in other words, let's we are ambitious for others' sake. 
We don't quickly pass people in life. We slow down. Patient. Compassionate. We want good things for them. God things for them. It's part of our agenda in life when we join God, when he fills us. So for this first half, which we're already into the teaching, I'm going to talk a bit about us becoming people of compassion. How do you personally go forward in compassion? And then as we've been doing in this unique series, in this unique time, Pastor Jason's going to come out and we're going to talk about how we, for the second half, how do we as a church go forward in compassion? What's ahead for us? So let's sit in just for a moment, Philippians chapter four. Just, just listen in. See, Paul has ambitions for others. He's ambitious for their sake. And you see, when you read through chapter four, which we would take far more time than I have the 20 minutes of the first half teaching that I, that I have in front of us. But he says, I, I long for you. I love you. And then, and then he talks to Judea and Syntica, and they're divided in the church. He says, let's have unity. Listen, restore your relationship. Jesus is bigger than the both of you. Get past your division. He's calling to the church. Have compassion for each other. Get past your divisiveness. Jesus unites us. There's better relationship for you if you would be patient with one another and have compassion. I want this for you, Paul's modeling. The next thing he does, I want you to be free from fear. He goes right into fear. Oh, and in these last 18 months, his fear consumed so many of us. We don't even understand how it's this angst underneath our soul. And we're afraid of the future, afraid of what is happening, afraid of what isn't happening. Not certain. How do you live free from fear, live free from worry, free from anxiety? Well, he tells us. By the way, because God has no fear. And when God's in you, you're fearless. Not because there's nothing to be concerned about and you have it all at hand, but because he's not concerned and he has it in his hand. So he tells you, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Hey, the Lord is near. The Lord is where? Near. You're not on your own. You're not alone. Be anxious for nothing and everything with prayers and petition. Let your requests be made known to God in the peace of God that passes all understanding. It'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How profound. That's how you get past anxiety and worry and fear in this world. You get the peace of God. But by the way, that's not the end of it. He says, now listen, I, I long for you to live free from pessimism and cynicism. By the way, people stop learning about peace when you hit that scripture I just quoted. That's not the end of it. You have to go further down. Paul's not done talking about peace. You drop into verse 8. Finally, whatever is noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, Think on these things. You have to change your thinking. If you want truly the peace of God, you got to get past pessimism and cynicism. It's all part of the peace gaining process in Christ. And then he goes on. He says, look, you gave me a great gift. Listen, the church had compassion on him, and he's writing a letter back to the church of Philippi and saying, thank you for your compassion toward me. It was deeply meaningful. It touched me. But he, listen, he wasn't excited because he received the gift. He was excited because they gave it. He was excited because they had compassion. He said, man, I'm so proud of you that you were concerned for me because it's a profound thing to care for others. 
And not because I got the gift, not because you cared for me, though I'm grateful. But listen, you caring for me didn't just change me, it changes you. When you have compassion on others, it changes you as much as it changes anybody else. Part of how God transforms you is you caring about other people and getting past yourself. You can't just have a life that's ambitious for you. It's got to be ambitious for others' sake. That's at the core of walking with God. He said, in fact, it goes to your account. Meaning you get treasure in heaven. This is an offering to God. When we engage in compassion for others, when we give, we serve, we give time, we give resources, our, our money, we care. Why? That gives treasure in heaven. So where did Paul learn all this compassion? I'm glad you've asked. Check this out. He learned it from Jesus. In places like Luke chapter 10, where Jesus tells a parable. And this is so worth the conversation that today I'm going to bother to read the whole thing. Even though we have really tight, limited time, I want you to hear it. So follow along. And behold, a lawyer, which was a Jewish Old Testament law of Moses lawyer. That's the law was the law of Moses. So a lawyer would be a religious lawyer. A lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying to Jesus, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor, oh, your neighbor as yourself, your neighbor, your who, everybody? Neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, by the way, not merely know this, and you will live. Story goes on. But he, desiring to justify himself, paused, and that's what gets us in trouble. See, because the guy was in the left lane annoying me, going below the speed limit, I was justified in what I did. I shared that with him, but they were quite unimpressed. I still got to contribute to the state of Georgia. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In other words, how you define neighbor determines who you have to be compassionate toward. If you discount them as your neighbor, you don't have to love them. So slick, Jesus replied. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest, someone who should stop a priest, was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He just passed by. On the road of life, there's someone for whom you could demonstrate you love God and you love others. So likewise, the Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, by the way, a Samaritan, Samaritans and Jews do not get along. Jews consider Samaritans half-breeds. They worship false gods. They have bad blood in their history. Do not get along. So it's already going to annoy the Jewish religious lawyer when Jesus says a Samaritan, but a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had everybody, everybody, what compassion couldn't hear you Ed. what compassion story goes on. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and Gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Listen, he gave his time. He gave his money. He gave his heart. He cared, had compassion. He wanted good things for the guy. 
Now, which of these three, Jesus asks the lawyer, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the man who showed him mercy, who had compassion. And Jesus said to him, you go and do. You go and what? Do. Not get the answer right and move on. But you go and do likewise. Do, not merely know. Should I really have to teach anything after that? Can't we just like read the story and recognize that Jesus is teaching us how to treat other people because it's how he treated us. So who is your neighbor? Listen, your neighbor is the person who's in front of you. Compassion at home with your spouse in your marriage will transform your marriage. Be ambitious for their sake. What are their ambitions? Have ambitions for them. Want their good. Want God things for them, good things for them. Care about them. Siblings. Parents to kids, kids to parents. Outside the home, coworkers. People on the plane, people at the park, people in your church. This is transformative. Don't be quick Carl or quick Kevin and just pass people by on your own agenda. Make it your agenda to care about others. Okay, we got it? Everybody say, yeah, I got it. Tell your neighbor you got it. Now I'm going to high speed some things. Let's go just a layer deeper. I'm just going to highlight some layers deeper. Here's the first one. We are under pressure in the last 18 months. All of us as people in this country with all that's been going on. Starting to think we have to pick one. That we're either going to pick biblically conservative or socially compassionate. So there's a whole crowd of people in the name of Jesus saying we're biblically conservative without being socially compassionate. As if because people contradict your country or contradict the Constitution or, or, or mess up values or, or, or undo the very things you believe in and buy in. And when they do, you're like, well, I'm no longer going to treat them as my neighbor. I don't have to value people. That's what the lawyer was saying. Look, I'm going to love God and love others, but I'm going to discount others because they have messed up the world. Let, let me give it. Let me say it this way. Jesus, Jesus taught a value. We can value people without sharing their values. Get this. You can value people without sharing their values. Look, I live in a world, you live in a world where people are changing the definition of values. They're changing them. They're keeping the same word, but changing the definition, changing definition of identity or, or marriage or, or, or family or morality or unity. I'm not buying into the definition. But I live in that world. I'm not going to share the definition any more than I would celebrate my grandkids playing on the expressway because those choices lead to death. But I have to live in the world and I can value people. I can treat them with respect. I can recognize that they have value before God. They were created by God. I can treat them with dignity. I don't have to share their values to value them. Listen, God sent his son Jesus while we were yet sinners. We didn't share his values, but he valued us. We love people because God loves us. That's who we are. Now, there's a risk on the other side. There's a whole other side. And the other side is saying, you know what? God tells us to love others. So, therefore, I'll be socially compassionate without biblical, uh, being biblically conservative. So now I'll rewrite the Bible. I'll adjust. I'll celebrate people's ungodly values in order to demonstrate that I love them. That, that's not godly. That doesn't help them. It's not loving people 
valuing them when you celebrate sin. That's not compassion, that's compromise. We feel a huge tension to pick one. And we are not biblically conservative or socially compassionate because Jesus was not. We are biblically conservative and socially compassionate. Let's go another layer deeper since I can tell you're having fun. Jesus modeled which one to lead with. He modeled it. Here's what I mean. Inside the church, just a quick thought. Inside the church, you lead with biblically conservative because we already bought into Jesus as Lord. So we start with the truth and socially compassionate. When you walk out of the church, when you're outside the church, you lead with social compassion. Listen, they don't buy into the idea that Jesus is Lord. They don't follow his word. They're not going to adjust to God's word. Their first experience has to be we love them. They matter to God. That's why Jesus, when he talked with the religious leaders, would start with the truth. But when he encountered the woman caught in adultery, he started with compassion. And once she knew she mattered, he could talk about the truth. We should change the statement. When we're in the church, we're biblically conservative and socially compassionate with common sense. When we walk out these doors, you walk out and you're socially compassionate and biblically conservative with common sense. You so enjoyed that. Here's the last one. Last thought, and then Pastor Jason will come out and we'll chat a bit about how do we go forward together. How do we do this? How is a church to are we going to do this? So I'm going to have the worship team help me. I just want to give you a picture. Worship team coming out here. I'll give you a quick picture. Then uh, Pastor Jason will come out and we'll, we'll unpack it. There, there are two ways you see this play out, this, this compassion. One is bolder size, kind of in the wake of the lake. If we're going to make a wake that matters in the kingdom of God and influences and encourages and helps other people, this is as big as it's going to get because it's all I can carry as a boulder, okay? A boulder is when we all get our hands, okay? Like your hand would be under it and your hand would be under it. This is a huge boulder. I can't carry it. You get the imagery. And when this goes in the water, I think I'll back up a little. When this goes in the water, it makes a big splash. And when we're compassionate for others, did I get you? Because I wanted to. I tried. I'll, I'll do it again. Let's find another one. Okay. When we are socially compassionate, we, we, we sometimes like, like feeding the 5,000, we, we do this all together and it's a big boulder. But other times it's just, it, it's a pebble because it's one-on-one. -on -one. In fact, when one-on-one -on -one starts going to all of us, why don't y'all get some, and we all are compassionate to the people that we come across on the road of life. People are beat up on the road of life. And pretty soon when it's five of us and six of us and 50 of us and 150 and 500 of us, and you just keep going into the thousands of us every day, you start to see the impact. Come on, that makes sense. You know, you're saying, oh, I get it. It's big boulders. When we do it all together, it's pebbles when we do it individually, but all of us together make a big splash for the kingdom of God. Amen? All right. Well, Jason, let's talk about it. Thanks, guys, for your help. Let's go get this, Jason. Let's, let's talk about it where we just left off with the pebbles. Yeah, I didn't know we needed like a SeaWorld, you're in the splash zone uh, sign. Yeah, we did. For the illustration today. <laughs> that's, that's strong. Can I, can I start with a pebble story? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's put some skin on this thought because, man, what a, what a thought that as a church, we lead with compassion in the world. And I, I think we have 
a story from started six weeks ago and it's still unraveling now. It's a, it's a couple guys at the Snailville campus. Let me introduce you to uh, Sadell and to Todd. This is a picture of them up there. Todd's the big guy, and if you can't tell, his name tag says Todd. So that's Todd. And Sadell is staying next to him in an awesome shirt. So here's the story. So Sadell, six weeks ago, was at the park with his kids and just you know, doing the dad thing, kids are on the slide, and he, he, his eye catches this guy on the park bench. And he could tell he wasn't in a good place. And sort of the spirit of God sort of messed with him. And he's like, go, go talk to that guy. Huh. And Sadell's like, give me a minute. <laughs> like, let me think on this God. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Like, give me a minute. And he turns to his kids and turns back and Todd had left. And then like the weight of that miss hit him. And he's like, shoot, God, I missed my moment. Hmm. And he went back to hanging out with his kids and then he turned around again and Todd had come back and he's hanging out on this bench and he's like, all right, God, I'll, I'll do it. Sometimes we're hard-headed and God <laughs> brings it back. So he goes over to Todd and he climbs into Todd's life and his mess. Huh. It turns out Todd's living in his car like he's homeless. And you go, right here in our territory? Yeah, right here. And long story short, Sadell starts to climb in and realizing, man, this guy needs a lot of help. And there's like the fork in the road moment where it's mm -hmm. like, let me just pray for you. So yeah. Jesus, get him, get him some stuff. Amen. And you like that moment, you either go all in or you go, ah. and he, he didn't, he wouldn't say it this way because he didn't have the metaphor, but he took his pebble and he said, all right. Yeah. And he tossed it in and he climbed in and said, all right, tell me about your life. He started to hear his story and how do you got to this place and what do you need? And he actually said, listen, why don't you come to church with me? And I want you to start coming to my guy's small group. So here's a picture of their small group eating, I think it was breakfast together. And he starts, he invites them into the small group. And, and the reality of what Todd was up against is it was bigger than Sadell could handle. So he's like, he rallied his dudes in the small group and said, we got to help this guy. God put him in my path for a reason. We got to help this guy. And so they started like one dude used his own Hilton points to uh, put him up in a hotel while they were trying to figure out he stayed at their houses multiple nights. They helped him get a job. They helped him get a car. They helped him two weeks ago move into his very own apartment from the street to that because of the love of Jesus. I mean, that is good Samaritan stuff. It's a modern day right story. Yeah. It's a modern day picture of that. And, and, and here's what's cool. Sadell is playing keys at, at Snellville today. So if you're the Snellville campus, give him a high five. Come on. Because well he's done. an awesome, awesome well story. Done, awesome dude. Loving Jesus. That's awesome. But let, let, let's, let's break down that story because sometimes we hear stories from the stage and you're like, I couldn't do that. Well, Sadell didn't know he was going to do that either. He didn't know the end of the story when it started. He just knew there was a guy on the bench. And here's yeah. what Sadell knew. Jesus changed my life. And I'm not just for myself anymore. I'm, right. I'm ambitious for other people. And I don't know what this is going to be, but I just have to take my pebble and throw it in and say, God, whatever you have me to do. And because Jesus changed him, it changed how he saw Todd on the bench. And because Jesus changed him, it changed how he saw his time and his money. Mm -hmm. And because Jesus changed this whole group, group of dudes in this small group, it changed how they saw their priorities and they climbed into the mess with Todd like Jesus climbed into the mess of their life and they led with compassion. And what if our church was known, not right. for the buildings here, not right. for home all over the right. place, but what if we were known as the place that those people will climb into the mess of people's lives because they've been changed by Jesus? And I think all of us could live that way. And, and what, if, what if God would just say, hey, throw in your pebble? 
wherever you are. It could be at work, could be at home, wherever you're at, God's inviting you to just throw your pebble in. And so we celebrate that story as like pebble stories. And I think God, the spirit of God might just tap your heart and say, this is the best way to live. Like gathering around the little pool and all of us getting yep. our pebbles. And as God opens up the door and again, this happened, you do this at home, compassion starts at yep. home. It, it works at work and mm -hmm. everywhere you go. Yep. And I remember, uh, Jason, uh, I don't even know, were you around like some 20 years ago? I was in college 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, God was moving. Yes. Before I got here, he certainly <laughs> yeah. was. And God was preparing the way. Uh-huh. And I remember when God stirred our elder board oh, yeah. and said, um, I want to change the way you do compassion. And I want the first 10% of everything that comes into 12 Stone to go outside of 12 Stone. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you that you would think, a pastor would say, yes, whatever you say, Lord. I'm like, that's a really dumb idea. Because <laughs> we were spending 100%. And I'm saying, we are the mission. We're like, that doesn't make any sense. And what it took over the next two, three years to adjust so it doesn't go to our utilities, it doesn't go to buildings, it doesn't go to stuff, it goes outside, outside the church. And he is taught, and I'm not, a church doesn't have to do that, but we did to honor God. I know we honor God with tithe first 10%. I know that's biblical, but there's not scripture that says a church has to give their first 10, but God made it a principle for us. And we have been doing that for the last uh, almost 20 years, yeah, millions of dollars of that, going outside. Yes. Yeah. Impacting uh, people for the sake of the kingdom. Yeah. And that allows us to do like what we call boulders together. Yeah, absolutely. And we got some passion for that going forward. Talk a little bit about where we're going next yeah. in compassion forward. Well, part of what broke this season is it feels like when the world gets complicated, we have to sort of hoard our stuff, right? Our time, our energy, our attention. It's like we just tried to get through the last 18 months, if we're honest. Well, now we're back and God's saying, listen, we need to rebuild this muscle of compassion. And you do that with your pebble and your pebble and your pebble. But the big boulders that we do together serve two purposes. One, there are some things that are too big for us to fix on our own. Like we can't solve homelessness by myself. Sadell can handle the person in front of them, but we can't solve the food issues in this territory by ourselves. So we do big things together. And secondly, the big, bolder moments, when we do them as a church, they exist to help us have an invitation to get off our own agenda and be ambitious for people. So it's like you get a catalytic taste of what God's inviting us to. So we don't have time to give you all the details, but over the next couple months, once a month between now and Easter, we're going to do a bolder compassion project together. Like once a month between now and Easter, like you'll hear more details in Thanksgiving. We're going to invite you to do a friend's giving with your neighbors in your neighborhood. We're going to talk more details about that in Christmas time. We're going to, we're going to care about foster kids. We're about to talk about that in January. We're going to care for uh, the widows in our community and you'll have opportunities all between now and Easter to say, I need to get ambitious about other people. And we're going to do those big bolder moments as a church. And the first one we're going to do, uh, that's going to be sort of massive is we're going to care about foster kids. Yeah. Yeah, and this listen, be cool. Yeah, we Again, can celebrate. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're gonna do. When I when I think of the heart of God, He cares about orphans. He cares about when Jesus said, "Let the little children come to Me." Mm -hmm. That wasn't just like a happenstance moment. That was revealing His heart. Scripture talks about care about orphans and widows, people broke down on the side of the road of life. So we're gonna care about foster kids this Christmas. And maybe you've heard this name before, Jambos. 
It's a funny name. It's a beautiful organization. It's our partner organization in this community and now across the country that cares about foster kids. And we are going to go berserk with this at Christmas time. But we want you to hear the story of Jambo so you know what we're about to go do together. Check it out. Right now, at this time, we have 494 youth in foster care, uh, which means that the court has deemed that their environment was not safe and they had to be removed. I found the invitation on Facebook through 12 Stone. So we went to the informational session. They gave us an overview, and then they split us up into two groups. Okay, do you want to support or do you want to foster? And we went into the Let's Foster group. I was about 14 years old serving in an orphanage in Kingston, Jamaica, and I fell in love with serving. I really began to have a heartbeat for kids that were transitioning through foster care, adoption. I wanted to serve kids in that orphanage every summer. When children come into custody, sometimes they are very afraid. Uh, they're very anxious because they don't, it's so uncertain. The journey for a child going through foster care is extremely stressful. It happens very quickly. I mean, very there have been quickly. times when parents barely beat them home before they were at the door with the child. Because emergency placement, and it, it was a nighttime. It came, I mean, he came at like 8 o'clock at night. I knew there was a call in my life to ministry, but I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't really want to be a pastor, but I always knew that there was the call to serve kids in foster care. When we're looking to meet the needs of those in the community, we can't stay in our own personal box and comfort zone. Sometimes we have to be discomforted in order to meet the needs of someone else. Four kids. We've had four. We have four. The first placement that we had, DFAX walked in the door and places this beautiful baby boy in my arms and asked, hey, are you guys an adoptive placement? Are you open for adoption? So the first year goes by and the DFAX caseworker says, we found a family member who's willing to adopt. And so we are going to come and get the baby on Wednesday. Our sincere desire is for children to grow up in their own families. And sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes they have to temporarily come into our care. And we have to support the family by um, offering services and opportunities for the parents' capacity to grow. That was tough, but God gave me this feeling that there are other children that need you. That belief for me is another reason why we continue to foster. Sometimes a child has to be taken from the school setting. So all they have is what they wore to school that day. The child may leave with absolutely nothing. So it is, it is important that individuals understand that sometimes children only come with the clothing on their back. The child comes to you and all they have is three diapers, two shirts, mm -hmm. and a blanket. That's all they have to their whole entire life. When I was a kid, my parents would gift us pajamas at Christmas. And that cozy feeling was like one of my best Christmas memories. When I was a little girl, my mom called our pajamas Jambos. It was just like a playful name that she used. When we started Jambos, the heart behind it was we wanted to provide a practical resource that brings comfort to these children. So I went to the Department of Family and Child Services. Tell me what these kids really need. And there were a couple of things that they said every child could benefit from. And pajamas was one of them. And so I said, all right, we're doing it. It's pajamas. When we live with purpose and we pray about our purpose, I know I'm a state employee, but when you pray about your purpose, 
and God reveals your purpose to you, he equips you to handle it. With every pajama drive, more and more pajamas started coming in. And we were like, wow, we're really saturated here. Let's start scaling this thing. And here it goes. We're now we're pushing pajamas all the way down to Valdosta. We're getting phone calls from Florida. People from Maryland are calling us. There are 400,000 plus kids in the foster care system. Let's serve them all. It's a blessing to be able to be a safe haven yes. for a child in need. God has blessed us and I believe that he has used us to be a blessing to the children who have come through our home. On each pair of pajamas, we attach a Bible verse, John 14, 27, you are not alone. And that's why we exist. Pajamas are a great way to show a kid Jesus. Do what you can and do it from the heart because that'll make the greatest impact. In two years, we've been able to serve nearly 12,000 kids and we've brought in like 14,000 pairs of pajamas, which is astronomical number. The goal is for us to serve 15,000 kids this Christmas. And we know that together we can do so much more, right? So we wanna take what we've done in two years of existence and make it happen in one day. I think we can do it. What do you think? Isn't that awesome? And maybe, maybe you caught it. She said, pajamas are an easy way to show kids Jesus. That's our heart in anything we do with compassion. Who cares if someone gets a cup of cold water if they don't meet Jesus? That's our aim, and that's what she's doing. And that video was actually shot a year ago for last Christmas, and they actually were able to bring in 15,000 pajamas, 13,000 of which you guys brought in. And they're now all over the country. What is it, like 25 states, five countries that Jambos is in? And we're going to be going all in this Christmas again for Jambos. And if you're a part of 12 Stone Home, we've got some really cool specific ways that if you guys give pajamas, we're going to be able to get them to your local foster care center. Like there's all kinds of cool stuff connected to this. You'll hear more details, but that's just one small example. Well, it's a boulder of all of us right. coming together, but it's one example of how I think God wants to restart the engine of compassion here. We have to get off our own agenda and care about people who are broke down on the side of the road of life, don't we? Because Amen. we met Jesus and he met us in that state. Amen. And when we do that, we're modeling the gospel for people. And so you're going to start to feel that layer in again as we're pulling out of these last 18 months mm -hmm. and jumping into the forward future. So that's now, we're going to help make all that happen. We're not only going to get the thousands of, and we hope in the tens of thousands of Pajamas. Are we going to talk at all about them serving? Because there's going to be an opportunity. Oh yeah, for we them got the warehouse. Serve. We're going to have yeah. opportunity to serve in the warehouse, actually packing the pajamas. We're going and to they set pray all that over up. them before we send it out. So you're yeah. going to have a lot of details coming up, yeah. and we're just trying to give you a heads up. This is where we're headed as a church because I think God cares about that. So we'll unpack that stuff in the weeks ahead. This is exciting. We also want to take a moment to remind you that when we say we are ambitious for others' sake, this is just this is this is going to be a fun moment. Mm -hmm. We are ambitious for others' sake. That includes the next generation. One of the best things that God allows us to do is be a part of a residency. Let's talk about that, uh, Jason. Just, just set up the residency so maybe some people here aren't familiar with what yeah, we Let's start been with doing. what is it. Yeah. We're just saying the residency and you're nodding like, okay, what is that? Maybe you're new around here. The residency was started over 10 years ago, and here's the, here's the premise. Uh, when a doctor graduates med school, do you want to be the first surgery that he or she does? Anyone volunteers? No. No, no. thanks. I want them to go sit with another surgeon and take it from the books yeah. 
to the actual operating room. Does that, does that make sense to it's you? Like, residency. It's, it's <laughs> the They go to a hospital and serve in a residency for a season yeah. where they take it from book smarts to actually able to do it. Now, at the end of the residency, cut me open. Let's, well, not really. I don't want that to happen, but I'm down. I'm more excited about that. In the church world, there wasn't a residency. Yeah. It, it, you graduated college, and we watched these pastors graduate college and get thrown into a church, and they're going... I don't know which textbook to look up to figure out how do I do this? How do I do that? And so we created a two-year post-college residency where we literally bring pastors alongside of our staff and we teach them how to do ministry. How do you serve people? How do you actually lead a funeral? How do you do a wedding? How do you pray with somebody? How do you, all the things that you're like, you need to know these things to be a pastor. You can't learn those in a classroom. You have to learn those in a laboratory. And so 12 Stone is simultaneously a local church and a local church laboratory for the next generation in the residency. And so yeah. that's what we get to be a part of every year. There's some close to 30 residents that are sort of always perpetually here. Some are graduating every six months. More come back in underneath it. And actually, we've now been able to train up and send over three hundred pastors. Yeah, we have some of the picks of the up here that are just Isn't that an crazy? example of, yeah. And those, those pastors that we've trained up, let's bring that map back up we've been using every week. If you remember the map, you'll see it starts with sort of where we have 12 stone campuses, 12 stone home, church plants, partner churches. That's where that all exists. But let me show you, here's all the states that we currently have one of our residents in right now. Isn't that incredible? Think about the reach we get to be a part of in this next generation. We've got resident people that graduate our residency in, in all these states. Let me give you a couple specifics. So Matt Hare, the guy that graduated a couple years ago, he right now is the junior high pastor at Saddleback Church. Have you heard of Saddleback out in California? He's leading the entire junior high middle school ministry out there. We've got Savannah Knight, who's a worship pastor at one of the Life Church campuses in the Midwest. Think about this. She's now leading worship for thousands of people because you guys helped us train them up. Stephen Francis is a community pastor at Liberty Church in downtown Brooklyn, New York. We have influence in Brooklyn, New York because God sent him here and we got to send him out. We've got Mike Kiley, who's the high school pastor at Church of 1122 down in Florida, and he is leading hundreds of high school students. Do you see, if we could see the yeah. kingdom math yeah. and the kingdom map, it would blow your mind. And we don't say this to celebrate us. We say this to thank you. Yeah. Like as a church, you are at the front lines of training the next generation of pastors. And we are so excited for not just what we're doing now, but where we're headed in the residency that we're going to continue to bring them on. And, and let, me, let me give, can I give them something practical? Yeah. The residency has to be ours. Like we have to care. And maybe this, would, this is what God might invite some of you to do. Go to churchresidency.com and click see the residents, and it'll show you pictures and names of all the residents that are at 12 Stone. I want you to be the foster spiritual parent to one of them, and here's all I mean by that. Pick a resident and pick one day a month and pray for them. God, would you use these two years to form something in them? God, would you take all the stuff they learned at college and would you help them become really good at loving people and leading yeah. and serving. And it actually tells you on that website when they're going to be graduating. And maybe you would just write a note somewhere in the last six months they're here. Hey, Mark, I've been praying for you for the last two years. And I just want you to know, I'm so excited for where God's sending you. I pray that God opens the right door and send them a note. Just send it to the church, put their name on it. We'll get it to them. That's a way for thousands of us 
to adopt these residents, care about their leadership journey and where God's going to send them. So maybe you would jump on churchresidency.com and you'd pick one and you'd just own that as part of your uh, calling here to be a part of 12 Stone Church. How awesome is that? And let's do the fun thing. We're going to have all the residents come on up. All right. We should pray over them. We want to celebrate them. So give it up for the residents, uh, wherever they are. Let's bring them all out. Here are your present residents. What a beautiful thing, church. You just think about all that God is doing and and through them, how he's called them, how he's forming them, the impact they're going to make in the generation ahead for the kingdom. How fantastic is this? And one of them just got engaged. Congratulations. Well done. Yeah. He finally put a ring on it, as he should have. Church, Jason, yeah, we should pray. Will you guys, if you're comfortable here across the campus, if you want to stand up with us, we're going to do a hands-up prayer over these residents, because ultimately, we, we teach good content, we give you good experiences, but the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to grow you up and call you and send you. So would you pray, if you're comfortable, hands up, prayer over them. So Jesus, thank you for the unbelievable responsibility you've given this church to pour into the next generation. And so God, some of them, they're here in their first couple months. Some of them are now looking for where you're gonna be sending them. So wherever they're at in the process, oh, Holy Spirit, would you form them and mold them and prepare them for the calling you have on their life? God, anything that they are missing in their preparation to be leaders in the kingdom, would you fill in those gaps in them? Would you use pastors here and leaders here to speak into their life? God, would you grow them up in the skill sets they need? But most importantly, God, would you grow their affection and love for you? This world tells the next generation you've got to perform. And Jesus, ultimately, they just need to love you well. So God, I pray you grow their affection. And Lord, I pray you'd use us, all of us in, across the campuses, across 12 Stone Home, to love and pray for these people, these young men and women who are called into ministry. Would you use us to pour into them, God? We are so grateful that you've allowed us to be a part of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.